Hey, welcome back. It's time for another episode of Driven by Design. The only show that shows you the future of automotive design. With our design-driven designer, Brian Thompson. Hey, Brian. Howdy, howdy. This is going to be part two today. I'm very excited because it's my brother. Yeah, and, well, um, you got to give him a second part here. You know, I mean, it sounds like you were kind of, <laughs> you little kid, you just kind of dragged him along when he was little. He wants to hang out with his brother here. Yeah, yeah we, we have a pretty good relationship. Hey, bro. Hey. So introduce yourself again, brother, here. Uh, what's your name and what do you do? I am Chad Thompson, and I am a union millwright, rebuilding power plants, industrial mechanics, and then in my spare time and kind of as a, a passion, I build mostly motorcycles with the end goal being hot rods. Really exotic stuff. That's what we talked about. We, we did an episode with you earlier. Go back into the catalog and listen to that one where we laid out his the, both of their interest in, in power and in vehicles and how Brian designs stuff and you build it and how different that is as an experience. And then we just started to touch into this world of motorcycles. Brian's talked a lot about the future of automotive design. As he says over and over again, I can't tell you what I'm designing, folks, but none of them have wheels anymore. None of them have steering wheels anymore. <laughs> uh, they might not have wheels, or for all I know. And it might be the Jetsons here. And, and, and we just started to tap into this idea of where are bikes going. I, I touched on the idea of super bikes, and you kind of shot that down and said, well, I don't think they're going to be million-dollar bikes that go a million miles an hour because they're more toys, and they're, they're designed to be simpler. And then you were kind of talking about, though, riding off-road. You know, and Brian said, what about electric bikes? So let's start there. What about electric bikes? Has that, has that got, got any life to it here? You know, I really have no clue with the electric bikes as far as the future is concerned. It, it's definitely very interesting. Uh, I know in the in the chopper world, which is where I'm mostly fascinated, uh, there was a guy pretty recently that built one, and the coolest thing that I saw was that he could pick the whole thing up by himself. And, you know, wow. he told, like, Andre the Giant looking, you know, picking up a motorcycle. Is that just because he didn't have a motor to it? I mean, it didn't it, have a big it was gas? Full electric. Yeah, it was full electric, and I believe he built a lot of it out of aluminum. And it fit the part, you know, it looked beautiful. Uh, it, one of the first, like, classically designed electric-style bikes that I've ever seen. And I, I think with that stuff, there's definitely an opening to the idea. And, and I think as the younger generations get, you know, uh, into being able to ride, they, they might see a market there. Well, and you brought, up the, you brought up the use that I thought was intriguing. You said you like to ride dirt bikes in your backyard. Your yeah. neighbors are always kind of, you know, grinning their teeth and saying, well, he's a good guy. Let's, I guess we'll let this noisy lawnmower race around the neighborhood for a while here. But yeah. electric bike might be quiet, uh, less polluting. People are worried about uh, the impact of off-road vehicles in parks and other sorts of things. Maybe there's some hope at that. Maybe it allows people more access because it's quieter and more environmentally friendly, let's put it that way. At the same time, it's, it's, it, and, it, and indeed, it does. But, I, Ted, I really want to hear you tell people about that, what you just started on, which was really exciting about the, the sound and what it does to you. Talk, talk a bit yes, about that. Yes. What, what, what's missing well, in an electric bike? Why, yeah. I mean, you, you, the classic Harley Davidson, potato, 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 potato. It's, you know, it's, it's such a, <laughs> that's, such a that's the sound it makes, doesn't it? I never thought of that. Yeah. It, it, it really is. And it's such a noise that they've actually uh, trademarked it, I believe. They tried to sue Honda over making a bike that sounded too much like their bike. That oh, my failed God. I had no and, idea. And it was what it was. But, but it, it, you can close your eyes, cover your ears, and you, the, the, the noise still feels inside. 
and I think mm-hmm. that's where you know squeeze a drill and it doesn't really do anything for you, but rev a motorcycle and and you, you don't you you just kind of are amazed at everything yeah. working together and all these weird noises. Everybody I know that owns a Harley, they want it to be loud ass hog. They don't want it to be quiet. You know that's the reason they get it. Born to be wild. And you know, yeah. and I think it's such a great area to touch on, Chad. If I can just for a second to to, to go spin off it. that, um, when you know, in automotive, we deal with the exact same thing because so much of the industry is going towards electric, and so much of it's going towards self-driving. The the, the one of the first things I hear people say is, "But I like to drive. Driving yeah. is something I enjoy doing. If you take that away from me, uh, it's it's not going to be nearly as fun." And so there is there's something there about. The, the look and feel of a uh, of a vehicle, you know, whether it's a motorcycle or a car, when it's in your hands and you're you're controlling it, it's a it's a it's a wonderful feeling versus just this sort of passiveness. Uh, wouldn't you say, Chad? Absolutely. It's to me, it's everything. You know, when I when you fire up a different bike, I I hear them going down the road, and I can almost picture what motorcycle it is just based off of the noise. And you know, in a mall parking lot. And a you know a electric vehicle drives by, you just there's zero feeling other than where'd that thing come from? Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Can I give you the, a, a strange example? We had somebody in here. There's obviously a Long Beach Grand Prix on the Grand Prix circuit. Uh, there's I don't know how many Grand Prix are left around the country where they bring these uh, indie style uh, vehicles in, and our Grand Prix style uh, uh, racing cars in. And there was a big push a couple of years ago to do an, an electric version of the Grand Prix, hmm. uh, Indy cars, and big money. Richard Branson sponsored a team. Leonardo DiCaprio sponsored a team, and they thought this is the future, electric Indy cars or whatever. And it was a total hmm. flop because the car made no noise, and when people <laughs> yeah. raced people by, yeah, who yeah. wants to watch a bunch of guys zip around the a track quietly? They, they totally missed what you guys said. Yeah, you know, even like uh, when, uh, years ago I was on that, that reality TV show in one of the uh, Motor City Masters, and we had to go uh, learn about NASCARs to build a NASCAR for one episode. And the thing that just stood with me the whole day was when we were in the pits at NASCAR, it wasn't even so much the sound you heard with your ears, it's how it felt in your feet. Oh, yeah. It just planted you, and you were there. And I was like, because I... See, my brother and I are so different in the sense that like, I was never really into the machine of things. I was more into the beauty of machines. Right. right. And so, uh, um, but in that moment, it was an epiphany for me because I was like, this is what that feeling of a machine is all about. It's, it's vibrating my chest and my feet yes. coming through the ground. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you feel that, Chad. You know, you've just sort of always felt that. I mean, I can think of you as a little kid running around the backyard on a quad sport that like somehow was souped up, you know, like a little children's toy that <laughs> went faster somehow. <laughs> Flying around and you always yeah. had that. Yeah. Talk about well, back that, to like, the gremlin that you work. that you discarded. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing that I loved was the V8 noise. <laughs> the gremlin you discarded. It, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a V8, and, and all I could do was want to go out and just turn it on and listen to it. And feel and it. it and like, feel Because with that, yeah. it rumbles. Yeah, it, it vibrates. It, 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 you feel a certain power over it. It's like, I, I've never been a gun enthusiast, but I have a, had a brother-in-law for a number of years uh, who finally left the family, but he was a real gun nut, and he took me out once and let me shoot a Thompson machine gun in the woods. I, I get why people are into this stuff. It's a feeling of power, watching, pulling that trigger and wa- listening to that sound, watching things explode all around you. I hate to say it, I had kind of a sick kind of like, hey, this is cool. I felt like Rambo for a moment here. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's funny how technology moves on and away from that. I was driving a stick shift car the other day, a brand new one. Still had a manual transmission, and I was like, this is awesome. It's a manual transmission. <laughs> and uh, I forgot to put in the clutch at the stoplight. Oh. And the damn thing did it for me. Oh. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Who's the man behind the mask? Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just there to placate uh, me. But I tell you what, that, uh, that, that, that tells you that an entire car company is aware of that people's uh, desire for that connection and that that is probably not going anywhere. My wife always, up until a few cars ago, always insisted on having a stick because she felt it just put her in more control. She felt in control of, of that vehicle. And I said, well, what do you want to go out? Control. Yeah, I said, what do you want to go out and go back to the uh, crank in the, in the front here, like on a Model T? We could do that, too, if you want to go to that effort and crank, turn it over and stuff. I mean, uh, we don't have to do that. I've never always wondered why motorcycles still shift. Why can't I have an automatic motorcycle? Oh, yeah, well, they take do, the fun out I of it. I think they do. <laughs> yeah, take the fun. Chad, do they do a lot of uh, anti-lock brakes in bikes, or are they, is the trend just to be more manual away from that in the bikes that no, you build, the, et cetera? The newer ones are still manual clutch, manual shifting, but I believe that – I don't know if it's standard on all of them. I, I've never even – remotely purchased a new bike but uh i do know that they have a lot of abs going on especially in harleys and like honda gold wings mm -hmm. and stuff like that and and i'm not opposed to an anti-lock brake system i try to hide everything so for that matter i don't want it but uh as far as rider safety you lock up a brake and you're pretty much going to go on the ground especially a front brake so yeah it's going to flip I'm, you right over flip I, the bike over yeah yeah i can i yeah, can imagine a, that being good well, it's you know it's a fascinating thing, right? Because if you know people, when I'm you know working in this world of autonomous driving, I, the, the feedback I always get is, "Oh, I don't want a self-driving car," but I always cite anti-lock brakes. I said, "You already have one," because uh, mm -hmm. an anti-lock brake is an automated system, right? Because it's it's pulsating the brake faster than any human can do. Yeah, right. So what you're really doing is you're really giving over the control of the vehicle to the computer, but you still have the perception of control, and I think that. Because people, that's such an important qualifier, the perception of control, right, is that, that as these things become more automated in the industrial, I'm sorry, in the automotive realm, I almost see a growing desire for things that are not perceived to be automated, like the bikes that Chad is building for individual clients. Because if you take so much of that away, where are you going to get that need satisfied? Yeah. That's why I think, like, Interesting. it's brilliant that Chad's, like, doing uh, more of these bikes, you know, he makes his money as a welder, doing huge turbines and nuclear power plants, but I really think there's a growing need for the kind of work that Chad is doing that's very artistic and, and focused on an individual uh, person. So I guess you answered my question already here, will we ever see self-driving bikes? No, because it takes, it would completely, it would take, if it is the fun of the, the, and the feeling of control, it would take all that away. Absolutely. What do you think, Chad? I don't, I don't think we'll see self-riding or anything like that. Maybe more of like miniature four-wheeler, like single-person vehicles might, might kind of mm -hmm. come up as more of a motorcycle feel for someone who doesn't ride. But if you ride, you, just, you don't want it to be held up by itself. You don't want it What about an entry-level bike, though? Because I've, uh, this is going to sound crazy. I've never ridden a motorcycle. I've always been afraid of them. Mm. And, uh, and so I've always felt they would fall over or I'd get in a car crash or accident too easy. So what if I had an avoidance system? What if I had a balancing system that would make it easier for me to get started? Yeah, I'd still have to shift it, maybe. Yeah, no, that would be an interesting market to open up for for newer riders. Absolutely, but I mean, regardless, you're still on a on a vehicle, 
you know, you're sitting on top of a vehicle, you're still... You got your you got your legs wrapped around a motor. That's all I could picture here. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the best description yeah, of a motorcycle, though, is, is that I've heard is, is when you are in a car, you're watching a movie, and when you're on a motorcycle, you're in the movie. Ooh. Ooh, I like that. It's, it's a very, very surreal experience. You smell, you hear, you, you know, you get rained on, everything is right there bugs hit you in the face yeah all sorts of stuff happens right you know but then when you're in a car you you know the noises are dumbed down the the is kind of clearing out a lot and it's passing by you you're not passing through the space it's passing by you it's like sitting in a movie theater you know if if a bike that held itself up got someone into that and interested in that it's absolutely a cool thing you know but once you get into it then you you know you're just riding a motorcycle regardless so and I can see a lot of in the on the on the flip side of all that. I can see a lot of startups uh, playing in that field of two and three wheel vehicles that are self driving because there are less requirement. The the minute you put that fourth wheel on the tarmac, you are held accountable for a whole host of yeah, uh, right. requirements that that a that a technically motor technical motorcycle meaning two or three wheel vehicle does not have to meet. So there's a liberation there. So I could see, you know, that maybe they become delivery vehicles or something like that that is uh, it's kind of like a motorcycle. Well, and people thought it would be the every person vehicle. I forgot the name of it, but there was a car out of, uh, I want to say, Alabama or Georgia. It's not a car. It's a three-wheeled something. I can't remember the name of it, but they brought one by here one day to, uh, they were trying to get up interest in them. And they had a factory built, and they were, I don't know, whatever happened, they were going to crank them out. But there's a number of companies doing that, because if it's less than four wheels, it's a motorcycle. So you have less, mm-hmm. you don't have to have the bumpers, you don't have to have the safety, you don't have to have all these other requirements that, that make cars so expensive. You can get by in them, and, and they, could, they claim they could sell these things for like 10 grand or something. Ten, there you go. You know, something like that, you know, an everyman vehicle. It's a two-person everyman vehicle. Right. Chet, yeah, you know, that's awesome. interesting. One of the things I'd love to hear you talk about, oh, I just wanted to say that one of the things I'd love to hear my brother talk about, because part of the point of this uh, podcast is design and inspiration and how people stay inspired. Yeah, right. And um, I'd love to shift the the conversation to this. Um, When you, okay, when anybody works for a, a large corporation, they work for somebody, it's such a different world to live in than when you work for yourself. And I, you know, after 10 years at Nissan, as much fun as I had, and I absolutely am so grateful for my time at Nissan, I started to have that feeling of, oh my God, how can I sketch another, you know, Cube or Ultima or, or, or something? I just can't go in and do this anymore. And it kind of happened the day that they gave us laptop computers. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, we can work at home. So why do I need to come into the studio anymore? And that sort of gave me the epiphany to work for myself. But leaving Nissan was one of the scariest and then most rewarding decisions I ever made. And I'd love to hear, because I now work for myself and the income stops unless I go get it. But I'd love to hear Chad talk about that as well, because he's worked in, 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 in both environments and he's growing this business of his bike manufacturing. And Tell me, Chad, like, I'd love to hear, like, what, are you a different person? Are you wearing a different hat when you go into work as a millwright versus when you're building the bikes? What are the, what, what are the things that drive you to create this business of your own? Well, I have to travel for work, and I absolutely love the adventures, but, you know, we just had a baby recently, and, and my whole focus is now getting home. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it's definitely a very tough thing to to love your career, but know that, that your time's numbered with it. But as far as a different hat, I'm just really starting to focus on trying to, 
to turn this into more of a money-making venture. I think the fact that I make my money outside of this has been beautiful until now, but now it's almost, I don't have that do or die mentality. I can sit and think about a piece for days and not have a customer, you know, mad at me or, or anyone, Mm -hmm. no one cares because it's not very much money focused and, and it's kind of going that way. And I'm, I'm a little nervous to be honest with you about it because I like the idea that I can take three or four days on one little part, but then, you know, because I make my money elsewhere, nothing is uh, do or die. I kind of just laissez faire it, you know, talk, talk a bit about being nervous. Cause I think that's the thing that I, I hear. So one of the, again, one of the points of this podcast is to inspire people to, to create their dream uh, in, in design. And one of the things I always hear is, Oh, I would leave, but, Oh, but that's mm. scary because, and yet, some people still do it, and some people don't do it. And what is it that makes you nervous, but you're doing it anyway? Well, I mean, it's the end game. You know, I want to work for myself. I want to call the shots. I want to be financially independent. And, you know, having a, a salary cap at a big corporation, as nice as it is for the last 10 years to have a fairly steady income and, and whatnot, to, to be able to walk out into my shop and to know that I have clients coming to me for needs and, and that I'm fulfilling them. It, it, it's a very rewarding aspect, even if the money is not the same. I, I would be mm-hmm. much happier doing what I'm doing in my shop for half the money than, than being gone, you know, doing what I do. But it, it's, it's holding me back right now, honestly. I, I make good money. I travel six to ten months out of the year, and I make really solid money. It's very much holding me back because, you know, I, I've been off work with the baby now, uh, with having the baby for four months. And mm-hmm. I'm just now getting a lot of business. You know, I'm just, like within the last month, I've had, you know, a lot of call for, hey, can you do this? Hey, can you do that? Like, yeah, but I'm leaving, you know. So it's kind of getting in the way now. And I'm, it's a good thing. It's a very good problem. But speaking of nervous, it's just, you know, I just got to bite the bullet sooner or later. And, and uh, I think that make or break mentality will will solve a lot of the issues would you guys ever collaborate would would brian design and you build well i think it would be a collaboration of both designs yeah right i mean the the thing is because my brother is a designer at heart as well he's he but he's a designer who builds whereas i'm a designer who draws okay i I like standing around like i draw something that's supposed to be you know 15 20 years are out and then i and then i work with a bunch of people who then do it and and that's their expertise to make it but those people are typically modelers and builders uh and then i kind of stand around with a cappuccino uh, with one hand (laughs) with the other and say you know up down and then yes you can put that radiator in there and then only like if they go home if they tell me they can't fit the radiator but they go home at five then i get involved with the clay and like just do it myself and then it's too late and they get pissed off that we make it the way i wanted whereas my brother uh his skill set is really guided by he thinks of it and he does it he's literally he's kind of a one he can do it all and that's that's i think what he was saying is 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 fascinating because while it's scary you're you're so chad it it, i know i feel where you're at and i think a lot of people listening to this would feel where you're at it's you're in that transitional period where everything is happening at once but nothing is happening yet at full speed because you're pull you're pulling back and you're pushing forward uh you know foot's on Mm -hmm. the brake foot's on the gas right but um i think people like to hear those stories because you keep going, you keep pushing it, and eventually this will be your your full time endeavor. Um, as I was saying in the previous podcast, Paul, um, you know, for me, the thing that keeps me up at night is it's like flying this airplane that perpetually runs out of gas, you know, because the paycheck doesn't keep coming, right? 
And so, like, and when sometimes I have a lot of paychecks coming in, there's a lot of fuel in the tank, but sometimes it's coasting, right? And it just kind of descends down. And I think that's the thing that not only is always going to be the anxiety when you're working for yourself, but the reward is that moment when the plane gets fueled again, right, Chad? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We had a business coach in here the other day. I'll just throw this out, another analogy. And he said, you know, people finally leave corporate America and they go build their dream. They start their company. Uh, they open a store, whatever it is. And he said, the frustration is the right away. He said, think of this. Uh, think of it if, if you were a farmer and you plant a seed in the ground and it starts to the shoot starts to come up. What if well, how would it help if you went out there every day and screamed at it and said, why aren't you? feeding my whole family why why are you just one little plant right now here it's time yeah. it takes time yeah absolutely well, well, I, yeah, that's, I'm you know, talk about like I'm, your work because you know you we're almost out of time here so we'll have to make it quick here okay all right well let him i think he could finish with this is that he he's um talk about like growing one while doing the other so that you don't just jump into a you know an unplanted field if you will yeah, that's what I was just about to say. I'm I'm super fortunate to to have a career that is you know corporate based, I guess. But I have a lot of freedom being a union guy, so I I can kind of pick and choose jobs and and my schedule. But I'm also fortunate that when I do make the the jump, I'm not really in debt. All of my tools I've been building over time. You know, I've I've mm-hmm. had my own shop up and running for six almost seven years, and it's you know, look at it now, you'd think it would be like a hundred years old, but you know, six years ago, it was like one tool, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm fortunate to grow with ease and not, not need to so much. But You didn't have um, to go out and borrow a bunch of money to build a shop tomorrow here. You've been accumulating correct. it over time here. Well, that makes and sense. Then you run around, you, then you run around with your head cut off, just doing every job that comes your way. I can kind of pick and choose. I don't want customers. I want clients and clients Ooh, come to you because of your knowledge, not your, yeah. their needs as much so if a client wants to come to you how do they find you the manduzel on instagram and uh all my other stuff is right there from there the manduzel for those that didn't hear you go back and listen to the first show you can come up with why you came up with this crazy name the manduzel and brian how do they reach you with my name uh with which is just brian s thompson uh b-r-y-a-n-s like scott Thompson on all social media platforms. It's always the same. I wasn't as creative as my brother <laughs> coming up with <laughs> Manduzel Senior, right over. Well, I appreciate you guys coming in here. And if anybody wants, I did look it up while we were talking. The company that came by is called Elio, E L I O. They're still trying to get this thing off the ground and going. It says on their website they got 65,000 reservations for this three wheeled vehicle. Which I was wrong. The target price could be seventy five hundred dollars. It's supposed to be the okay. ultimate commuter vehicle. So check, go check that out. It's somewhere in between what uh, what uh, one brother's doing and the other brother's doing. It's a whole other direction here. So many di- cool. different directions to pursue in what I always thought was a pretty staid and steady business, which is transportation. It's now taking off in ways I could never have imagined. I thank you guys for sharing what you guys are doing and the inspiration for both of you going in such, in some ways, totally separate directions and in some ways, similar directions. That's what's fascinating about it. We inspire it. each other, for sure. I'm always Absolutely. inspired by my brother. All right. Well, I'm Thanks inspired to hear guys. more. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks. I hope you're inspired to come back as I am here for Driven by Design. Right here in Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio. Uh, Net.